Hey everybody, and welcome to Go Team Video, a podcast where AMPM Video watches a movie and then talks about it, along with everything else that's going on in our lives. Uh, today's episode, episode zero, is American Movie, 1999, a documentary about an aspiring filmmaker's attempt to finance his dream project by finally completing the low-budget horror film he abandoned years before. I'm Michael Sadler. I'm joined today by Abby Johnson and Daly Singleton. Uh, we make up AMPM video, and we love watching movies. I know that uh, I'd never seen this movie before, but you'd seen it before, Abby. And Daly, yeah. you hadn't seen it either? Nope. Uh, what did you think? Um, so my f- initial thought after finishing this movie was that the trailer is extremely misleading. <laughs> because the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be this funny jaunt about these goofballs making this movie. It is not. It is sad. Even the opening yeah. line of the movie is sad, and it sets the tone for the rest of the film. I think what the filmmaker, uh, Chris Smith, is really trying to get a point is like, it's like about addiction and alcoholism. Because that's like the through line in the movie is like drugs and like the his best friend Mike, like going, getting sober, relapsing. Also, uh, the, main, the main character, Mark, uh, that the documentary centers around, is constantly being told he drinks too much by his family and also doesn't seem to have much ambition to take care of his kids, which is another thing that they do not tell you in the trailer that he has three children. Yeah, I agree. I think this is, it has some sad parts to it. I, I don't think you're wrong about that. It did make me laugh a lot throughout yes. it. There are some really quirky parts and um there's this one line in the movie i really loved where mark was facing the camera and he said the joy of life is a beer in one hand and a film camera in the other (laughs) and i i think it really illustrates your point you just made um your observation but i think at the same time it really illustrates the financial, emotional, and physical struggles of being an aspiring indie one-person filmmaker. And I think at the same time, I think he's like very sincere and very driven about like being a filmmaker. Um, And I think for me, what stuck out the most was this kind of like American dream motif, like using nothing and using like the very essentials of what you have to build yourself up and to become something greater. And um, so I thought a lot about that watching the movie, especially like ending the movie. Um, And I, I do think, especially after seeing interviews of Mark after watching the movie, because I saw this movie probably like five or six years ago and it has piqued my interest ever since. I've seen several interviews with Mark, and he seems very knowledgeable about films and very observant. And I do think, like, he is understanding of a lot of, like, technique and, like, writing uh, skills. So, like, at the same time, as we're, like, seeing his, you know, really, like several people's like struggles with addiction or like you know um i I think even at one point he acknowledges that he acknowledged he was sitting in a meeting 
um, with his crew and he was smoking a joint and he was drinking a beer and he even acknowledged like, you know, like I'm not really invested in paying attention and able to direct and like, you know, able to do my job by doing this. So like, I think there's like a really good awareness of that in this movie, which is really nice. Yeah. Overall, I, I enjoy this movie, but I, I see a lot of like irony and um, a lot of like real struggles, you know? Yeah, that was definitely the thing that struck me about it. I, I, like you, I was kind of misled by the trailer in that I really did expect a little bit more um, aloofness and, and comedy gold out of it. And I, I got my, I got what it was worth out of it in terms of, of comedy, but it is. It's definitely sad. It's 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 much more stark than than I anticipated. But I did find uh, I found it inspiring, honestly, because it does. It is this slice of life, and it is this American dream. I think the movie's ap- aptly titled because it's this like midwestern guy who is all heart and all ambition. And I, honestly, I, watching the movie and the way that it played out and getting a taste for the character through the trailer, I thought this is going to be like, I'm going to watch somebody that, that uh, doesn't really know what they're doing at the helm of this thing. And that's going to be hard to watch. But ultimately every clip I saw of his short film, every, like every piece of it had some, something it had some, some cinematic presence to it. I was very surprised there's style in it. There's like competence to the frame, to the movement of the camera, uh, you know, even to like the direction, the overacting. Like I was I was taken by it. Honestly, I wish that I could watch Coven. Uh, I'm sure I can in some capacity, but I didn't have a lot of time to like to research, to watch interviews or or, or to like Same. follow up on on the short film. But I I, I think that both those motifs uh, that you both mentioned flow through. I mean, I think there is a lot about addiction in there. I think there's a lot about, uh, you know, being a, like a self-made person, um, and pursuing the American dream, but it's like through this, uh, it's through the struggle of being a real person ultimately and not having connections and not having a leg up. It's just you and your dream and you try to make it happen. And Mark does. He tries so hard to make it happen. And I think like uh, at the point in the movie where they uh, where he decides to go back and finish Coven, it's sort of like this huge sidestep in that like, oh, my God, like uh, he's not even pursuing. Yeah, they set up the whole movie to make it look like he's making this movie called Northwestern (laughs) until bam. Until bam, he he realizes that he, can, he literally can't make the movie. He just doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the means to do it. He's already fully started production on it, and then realizes, you know, the only way to make this work is I have to finish this film that I started two years ago. And he just sort of takes everybody along for the ride. Of we're going back. We're going back and finishing Coven. It's a Coven, which is one of the funniest parts of the movie. It's, <laughs> Coven sounds like oven, man. <laughs> he just he is so obstinate. He just decides to call his movie Coven because he doesn't like the sound of Coven. 
But so, uh, I, I, yeah, I was so surprised at how sad it gets. It's it's truly like a struggle. His character, like Mark as a, as a character, uh, doesn't have his shit together. He's really trying hard to. He does seem to maybe neglect uh, his responsibilities as a father. Uh, he's not particularly like. I mean, he's a good friend. He he shows up. And, and maybe it's on his terms. You think maybe Mark shows up? Yeah. I only saw people showing up for Mark. I don't know. I mean, he shows this up. This movie is about Mark. This movie is about Mark. <laughs> he, he shows up and, and he's like, he's getting his, his uncle to, to, you know, he needs his uncle because he needs the are money. We, are we going to talk about Uncle Bill now? <laughs> yeah. I, uncle Bill. Is so, he's uncle like Bill. The saddest I part. have a lot to talk about Uncle Bill. He's so funny. He's just like, he's a beat poet who's lost his mind and his ability to really talk. He's like, <laughs> he's just such a nihilist. He's given up and he dies. He dies at the end of the movie. So Abby, you seem like you've seen it the most. Can, can you, yeah, set us up for like, what is, where do we start? And then like, where do we go? Like right after it starts. Like story wise. Yeah. So we start with the end introduction of the making of Northwestern. Right. And he has a deadline that he's really trying to make. And the the pressure of just finding talent and organizing pre-production just was too much. And there wasn't enough money for it. And there weren't enough people available for it. So to be able to fund that movie at all, to be able to finish that movie at all, he resorted to an old project. He started making this movie, Coven or Coven, um, a horror movie that is like he Northwestern was to be a feature film, and and Coven is like a thirty minute film that he was going to use to fund the project of Northwestern, and he needed to borrow money from Uncle Bill to make it happen, and. Uncle Bill's money was supposed to go towards Northwestern. And so the whole time he, his uncle's frustrated because he's like, where, where is my money going? Am I going to see my investment returned? And like people are bailing on him. He's resorting to using his friends and family for talent. Um, It, It seems like not for the lack of trying on their part though. It seems like all these people that are kind of not showing up for him anymore are like, like uh, what they show the producers and like the, because uh, he has a couple people involved that seem more like industry people or like somewhat industry people, and they're even by the end of it, you see how fed up they are with dealing with Mark too. Right. So I, I don't know. The whole thing I got from this was that Mark is pushing everyone away because of like his perfectionism, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's like, he does so many takes of these things. And yeah. it is it an era where he's every minute is just money burning yeah. because it's, it's, it's film. film. Yeah. And For it's sure. just like, even the, in the audio too is film. And it's like, that's all I could think about was during this was just like, I, like, why did you go so hard? Like, why didn't you, yeah. like, why did you, you didn't understand the scope as much as you needed to i feel like i think he's really trying to be professional but at the same time like he doesn't know enough like there's like a whole scene where he's like shoving a guy's head through a cabinet because like 
that's what you do on a set. <laughs> they haven't but, done any of the work to like oh my God, actually they, make it this. Uh, this is the gag is he's supposed to put his head through a cabinet. Yeah. And they've barely scored the oh cabinet. Oh my God. With a they saw. Show, when yeah. they show what they do, it looks like they it, used a fingernail. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. It's just, yeah, it does come with some naivety as much as like, it, it's really interesting because, you know, uh, you know, we all make film stuff. We make music videos and, 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 all sorts of things, but he's been doing it since he was a kid. And he's basically, constantly been told that he's never gonna become anything, that he's never going to succeed. Right. He's. I feel like he is constantly being bogged down by people that he's trying to recruit for his films, and maybe that is because he doesn't have the funding. He doesn't. He can't make it like a legitimate crew. Like, and maybe that's with, going with to union workers. Right. You know, but, and may, maybe that's going to. Uh, take away from a little of the common sense uh, that somebody else might have to like make sure this prop cabinet is prepared yeah. to mm-hmm. take someone's yeah. skull. He's, he's wearing so many hats. Yeah. Yes. So I, I feel like he can't wear every hat. And yeah. then things start to fall through because the people he's recruiting also have no experience yeah. making films and they don't know what the standards are. And yeah. so I feel like he is just like trying to manage a brand new crew that knows nothing and yeah. it's like he's falling short and so i yeah. i feel like his environment is really working against him at the same time that he's like trying so hard and pushing so hard and people misinterpret that probably yeah is like how i see that because i i see that he's really trying to make it work and he's really like emphasizing that also he's he's emphasizing he has no money he's asking his his parents for money for gas money and he like you know i think he's very aware yeah no you're right he is aware because he he monologues a lot about the debt he's in mm. and stuff oh just why we're seeing it right now uh something you said earlier about like that his family that nobody really believes in him mm. you know he's got these like these brothers uh that appear and oh they're just God, so willing to kind of shit, shit on his on dream yeah, and talk about how he should be a factory, factory worker. worker yeah. And his brother literally says at some point, I thought he was going to like end up as a, like a serial killer. Right. <laughs> and that I got to say, like the brother saying that. Yeah. He came off to me so much more as a serial killer than like this like american psycho kind of like vibe he's got going on like no blinking (laughs) wide-eyed dead like it's just really ironic and funny it's like uh it couldn't have come from more of a candidate for a serial killer yeah i know i didn't get i didn't get that vibe from mark i thought like he's obviously like uh he's obsessed with the macabre and and Mm -hmm. horror and and all that i could see that is an interpretation. Yeah. And that definitely plays into like why he doesn't get support from his father really, because yeah. his father's like, he, he disagrees on a moral level. Like, yeah, you know, he has that, that bit about, uh, I would, I would support him more, but I don't agree with the language and yeah, like, the yeah, content, yeah, you know? yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And his father, I think at the by the end, his father is actually, there's a line about him saying, his father said to him that he needs to go out and finish the movie. His father like ends up busy. He's like, all right, you're obviously not going to do anything else. I, I get it now. Like just go do this. And I don't, know, maybe his father does end up getting some, some level of understanding by the end, but that poor family, man, I felt bad for, for the fucking mom. 
and yeah, Uncle I mean, Bill. I don't, I don't Uncle Bill know. and the mom, I felt well, so bad for. I, on one hand, I did because, you know, they're they're living these myopic lives. Mm-hmm. You know, like, as the viewer, you only see them doing so much. Uncle Bill's a drunk and he lives in his chair and he's just yeah. sort of a curmudgeon. But, yeah. you know, I think that it's almost a boon for them to have Mark in their life because he's like giving them more than they're, than they're going to. I thought about that a lot, particularly with uncle bill. Cause I'm thinking what else is he doing with his retirement with, right. the, with the rest of his life? He's like literally moping in a tray in a yeah. chair in a like crowded trailer. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Getting drunk. And like, I, I really feel like having Mark in his life, He's like pushing him to get out of the house yeah. and pushing him to like, you know, be social and to like, you know, he has some entertainment in his life. He yeah. has like something to think about. That's a beautiful know? way to look at it. Because like I just was worried the whole time that Uncle Bill did not know what he was doing. And that was that's where it gets sketchy for me is like, all right, does Bill know that? What he's doing? Does yeah. Bill know how much money he's giving Mark? Well, you know? I don't know. I think it. I. I don't know. I because I it's think, like at that point, then that's a little bit of. It's kind of like abuse. At, at I that didn't point. feel like it was uh, like a parasitic relationship. I, I felt like you know we don't know exactly what Mark was Especially, taking from him, but he was giving him a bath. Like he's he's a caretaker yeah. in a way. Yeah. You know, the yeah. dad also acknowledged in the beginning of the movie that Uncle Bill is very has a very tight grip on his money and i feel like he if he's able to do that with other people then he's probably not being taken advantage of i think mark is just like a smooth talker and maybe even has the a closer relationship with Mm -hmm. uncle bill than other people that's something we don't and it could be edited in a way where we don't see everything that uncle bill says and uncle bill they may be making uncle bill to be more goofy looking and funny than than is the truth of it you know I, I, You're not wrong. I did have that thought like, okay, he's, you know, close with Uncle Bill because Uncle Bill has the money that like it's the it's the way it's the doorway to his dreams. Yeah. In a way. But at the same time, there's just such he's he he really is taking care of him. You know, he like gives him a bath and he feeds him on Thanksgiving. It's just he, he there's a very like familial relationship there. It, right. isn't, it isn't just like he puts him in the movie. He comes yeah. over and he he talks him up, even though it's like pointless. He just yeah. says, "You're the producer of this movie. Yeah. You're like yeah. you're gonna go. You're gonna ride the coattails of this thing with yeah. me." Mm-hmm. He yeah. tries really to to give his uncle a bit of life, and if that's like to his advantage, you know, I can yeah. see reading it that way. I but. think he really ropes in anyone that will allow him to. You yes, know, because he's really desperate. <laughs> I felt worse for his mom only because he's in bed and he's like, his mom comes in and he's like, oh my God, he won't get out of bed. And he kind of makes his mother go make him coffee. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, again, you know, these, these like roles, these familial roles who I, I don't know. It's like, yeah. it's, that one's a little harder to watch. The, uh, um, and also the scene where he gets drunk on the Super Bowl Sunday watch party. Mm-hmm. And he's like, He's just being a dick to his mom. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just, you, you see that type of stuff. It's like, oh, this is, isn't the first time this is happening. This is like a pattern for Mark, yeah. you know, is at least what I noticed. Yeah. 
My favorite bit with with his mom though is when she's behind the camera and she's as much or more of oh a perfectionist than he yeah. is. <laughs> she's having him do it over and over and over again, and he's getting so frustrated. Yeah, and then there was like one time she wasn't rolling at all, <laughs> or like she didn't even like get him in frame. Like, I think about to get my mom to go out in the woods today. <laughs> The uh, I do love. There's some poetry in what Mark says, though. Sometimes, very much. Like it's just he says these just like poignant things. Sometimes, like like not to drink and dream, but to drink and uh, sorry, not to drink and dream, but to think and complete. Complete, not to drink and dream, but to think and complete, is the is one of the things I wrote down. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, there's something so familiar to me about uh, Mark and Mike and their relationship and just these like these guys who like kind of carry the party on too long and live in their kind of myopic little world where uh, it's just buddies like hanging around and dreaming about what could be. But then you have Mark who is trying like trying to manifest something to the extent of joining the army, which is like a, such a weird side story that I wish I really, they delved into a little more. Right. But wait, I, who is joining the army? Mark, Mark joined Mark? the army. Yeah. They just, they and talked what, about it. I don't even remember that. So very wow. brief. They also like just briefly showed like a, a scene from like him. He, he like delivers newspapers in the morning. Yeah. I'm yeah. just thinking, when does this guy sleep? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has like three jobs. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, yeah. he said he'd been delivering newspapers for like 14 years. And then there's a clip you see later of him as a, is like a right, teenager, right. like home movie stuff. And he's got the newspaper bag. So it's yeah. like, he's been delivering newspapers for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's also, he does the jobs that fit into his schedule. That's also, it's very relatable to like, my life and and what we do is just like it's nice to have a job that's flexible <clears throat> or like a lot of people not just us musicians that's why musicians work like you know as servers and right. bartenders is, is like service they can work, industry yeah these like weird provides hours flexibility yeah so that that was very relatable oh, here's the scene oh yeah here <laughs> i think she's she's bringing him some aspirin or something because he's probably sleeping one off, you know, like he has so man. much to do, but he's probably hung over. I mean, you, the amount that you do see he's going to get up, <laughs> he's going to get up and he's going to go what he probably has to like. Oh, this is funny because he's like he's talking about this meeting that he has to go to and print these like uh, these sheets, like, sheets. off. Yeah. And then I just thought that was so funny and it doesn't really have a lot of context, but it seems like nobody came to the meeting. No one came to the meeting <laughs> yeah. except for whoever this guy is, which I don't think we ever really see again. No. Also, it's like this. I, I, they don't talk about it. it. At least I don't remember them talking about it. But like he does a lot of this work in the school in the University of Milwaukee. Right. Right. And right. Uh, you don't really see that. I feel like until they start getting to the editing part yeah. near the end. But this is definitely at the University of Milwaukee, probably. Yeah. And that's the thing that like uh, this production I, you know, in, in a lot of for Northwestern. <laughs> in a lot of. Um, books and things I've read about filmmaking of that era, you know, the university was definitely a place where you could go and use like the editing bay to cut film and, and things like that. I mean, that's, that's definitely a thing that none of us have had to deal with in terms of, I mean, I know we've all used like the lab of a computer, like computer lab of of a college or, or what have you, but like, 
imagine going night after night and cutting your film right like, in a right because like, this is actual film actual yeah, film. yeah not yeah. digital syncing the audio track and mm. adding in the foley yeah also with the sheer amount of takes this guy did you know what i mean yeah so it's like going through all going through all that raw film and stitching it together yeah i don't doubt that the amount of work that went into it and the another thing i thought a lot about watching this was like he was so close to the like revolution of like home video cameras where you could like oh yeah just do this with way less money yeah when they became consumer friendly finally finally. yeah Yeah, exactly like he was so close and like i was just watching this i was like man your life would be so much easier if you just had a couple more years before you you got into doing this Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's 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 such a romance of of uh of like film though you know yeah i i mean i understand that but i don't have that romance yeah, I mean, none of us can yeah. really have it because we didn't, yeah. you know, we weren't like forced to learn yeah. that. And like, it, it, but there, I think I do think looking back on it, there's a quality to film that like, oh, totally. We still haven't quite captured yet with with digital video, but it is getting closer. I also just don't think the the benefits and the efficiency just outweigh everything else for me unless you have. Facilities and right. a team and a budget. Yeah, like if you don't have those things, then it's not appealing to me at all at that point. Right. Like yeah. imagine like having to find an editing bay because you have all this developed footage and you can't cut it at all. You yeah. can't. You can't really like efficiently go through it and view it all and cut it all and color it at all. Yeah. Yeah. You have so little control and like so little you can do after you shoot it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we shoot on Blackmagic Pocket Cinema right. 4K and those B-RAW files, we can change every, almost every bit of the data after the fact, you know? And even if, like, you complete your film, it's cut, ready to ready to show, where are you going to show it? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, luckily, that seems like one of the most successful parts of this movie for Mark is that opening night. I mean, there was a decent amount of people there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like when you're like the thing about him is he's working on a community level. Yeah, you know, he like all the all the stand-ins, all the extras, all the people that were willing to show up for Northwestern. Like, yeah, he obviously has a connection to his community. Yeah, the fields he shot in, like it's right. all local. Like, he's not going out to different locations really to shoot this. It's all, it's all what's in what's in his backyard, you know, so to speak. There is an interesting thing about film though, where the, that entire process does change the, the, like the methodology of proceeding for like forward with a scene, with, with a take with yeah. everything. I mean, you have to be so efficient. You have to really know what you're seeing. Uh, whereas like the efficiency of, of digital filming, you can really, kind of meander a little more and find mm-hmm. find what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah. Right. He had to buy a certain amount of film right. and, and really like uh delegate like what rolls of film were gonna be used for like what scenes and whatever. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there was a there was a moment where he was like, all right, this is the last roll of film. This is going to be the last scenes of the movie that we're shooting. Like mm-hmm. that's not something you have to think about when you are shooting digital. You can dump an SD card, yeah, yeah, fill it nothing. again, like pop yeah. another one in, like it's yeah. whatever. I mean, there's other limitations though of like, oh, this is our last battery of the day. 
you know, we can't shoot anything else after this battery dies. Well, right. we have we have external power. You That's know, true, like, but I mean, if you're out in the woods or something, if we're if we're really right. doing it right, yeah, we really should, shouldn't run out of no no of power, you know. But I yeah, I, but you I, get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, definitely. You do get there are still limitations. Yeah. Well, especially working on the level that we do, you know, we yeah. don't really have all the money in the world, so totally. we have to try our best to economize where we can. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, you know, we still we still do face limitations. Mm-hmm. It's just like the the you know you have twelve minutes in a roll of film yeah. or, or whatever you know. Um, so let's uh, let's get back on track. So Abby, you were you brought us up in the beginning of uh, you know how the movie starts and how it goes into the to like the middle point of like he's making Coven to fund North, Northwestern. Where do we go from there? What is where where do we go from there and then kind of into the end of the movie? I think they start to show more of his personal life. Like you realize he has children, that he has a girlfriend, that he's a newspaper delivery guy. He does like groundskeeping and other maintenance at the graveyard. Right, right, right. Yep. So yeah, I think from that point we're just kind of getting into like a little bit more personal territory where we're seeing like his relationships with other people and how there's kind of this turmoil with his uh, ex, uh, the mother of his children, and she wants to get back together. And he feels a little scorned by the fact that she left him three years ago and she's sort of demanding that they reform the relationship or she's going to take away his kids, basically, even though he's in another relationship and that puts strain on that relationship. And that seemingly ends until we see him delivering funeral flowers to his girlfriend and, uh, and, and kind of trying to explain he's like, that he's they're, like, they're, they're my flowers and I'm giving them to you. And she's like, <laughs> but they came from the graveyard, right? <laughs> he doesn't lie about it, which is no, like so endearing. He just like, says where these are from. for you. And he reframes it. It's like, it doesn't matter where the flowers came from. They're, they're your flowers because they're my flowers that I'm giving yeah. to you. But yeah, you just start to dig in a little more on like, you know, the fact that he, he kind of drinks too much. He kind of is, you know, not necessarily like you see him with his kids and it's it's like his kids are in his life. Yeah. He's not necessarily like a provider for them, but he's yeah. definitely attempting to be a presence and for better or worse, some kind of role model, which I do like when uh, they're asked all of them. They're asked if they want to be filmmakers and they all say no. no. <laughs> that was the best. It's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> they see his struggle. Yeah. <laughs> They're n- they're like not even ten. <laughs> I I did see the uh the 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 little camp out scene in the editing room and being like that that actually seems kind of fun. Yeah, like I mean, spend the night in an editing bay. Like, as an adult, that seems fun. I don't know I've, how fun I've it done would be that for a kid, in but... just like a computer lab before. Yeah, yeah, it's sure, like sure. Probably a different vibe, but mm-hmm. like. I mean, you know, it, it's it's alarming on w- one hand because you realize that these children like they're not necessarily getting like the ultimate in structure, but right. they are getting a unique experience. Like definitely to say that they went to the editing bay with their father when he was making this, you know, short film. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you start, you just start to see a little bit more of Mark's personal life and you get the idea that's like, you know, this is really all he's got. He doesn't have a shit together. He's working so hard to just stay like above water essentially yeah and 
it's you know it's not really working out he can't pay child support he's in debt to his father for ten thousand dollars he's in debt to his uncle for three thousand dollars yeah but people still show up they believe you know you see these actors who come and you know as much as they're sort of contentious with mark about whatever his like uh direction or Mm -hmm. whatever whatever he's got going on they're like they're still there they're game you know yeah and then you start to see like uh it really like it gets so stressful when it gets to the part where they're like they're finished with the film yeah and he's so sad because he's dealing with personal issues but then he's like putting it together and he's spending so much time in the editing bay and then he's recording all this like fully sound, which is like yeah. the most impractical way. He's literally just recreating every scene for audio. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> I, so I was like, why is he doing this? Why is he dragging someone through the mud just to get this? Like you could drag uh, anything, anything else through the mud. Anything. You could drive a, <laughs> drag a sack of potatoes through the mud. Why are you dragging a person? It's such a, like, it's such an impractical way to go about it, but it's like, you know, he's going to get, he's going to get the desired yeah. effect. I guess that's it. what that goes to back. What I was saying about critiquing Mark of like shooting for the moon. It's like, come on, man. Why are you, why are you, go, why are you working so hard to do this? There you are, can work smarter. There are so many ridiculous directors out there that are sure. successful in making a lot of money. So like I see, n- no difference really in in one aspect but at the same time i see at the same time he's being so ridiculous and like impractical with a lot of his choices and especially especially in post like yeah that's (laughs) well i mean you know uh this is kind of the era of like the uh auteur uh yeah in terms of i mean there's lot there's been lots of eras of auteurs but like um you know I don't know. I mean, it's not, he has a few examples. He probably is inspired by Tarantino and George Romero. And yeah, he, I don't think he talks about Tarantino at all because I don't, what Pulp Fiction is. Well, uh, Reservoir Dogs is 94, I think. And then I did write down a few movies he talked about. He did talk about Dawn of the Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Toby, uh, 92. Because they're. You know, very atypical from your typical Hollywood film, and there's a lot of like really interesting parts and really real parts of those movies that you don't see in other films. But that's the thing, you know. We have the resource of like the internet and you know the libraries and so many people that have come before us, and you know him. It's maybe enough to just see it being done to know it was done by someone. And then he just figures it out and he didn't figure it out in the most efficient way possible. That's yeah. Very true. But it's still inspiring. You know, he's, he's, he's so driven. Yeah. He's, he finishes Coven. Insanely driven. Yeah. He finishes, he finishes Coven. Uh, when did it start? 94, I think. No, he started filming Coven. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that like, that predates the start of this film by like two years. Okay. I mean, you know, I think we should talk about Mike a little bit because yeah. he's, he's definitely this other force in the movie and, and there's really only two, you know, like they're the poster They're They're the poster, uh, poster boys for this movie. I love his little bit about how they met and how they became, became best friends. <laughs> and it was like, 
Mike was talking about how he really likes to party hard and drink liquor when everyone else just wants to like drink beer and chill. And then Mark shows up to this party with a bottle of vodka and and they bond over drinking hard liquor together and getting like extra fucked up yeah. at a party. He's like, Oh, he likes vodka too. I like vodka. And, and he and, goes back he goes back and forth on like who had the bottle of vodka. He's like, either I had the bottle of vodka or Mark had the bottle of vodka. I don't one of us had a bottle of vodka. He says vodka like twelve yeah. times. It's it's a really comical scene. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely the times I laughed probably the hardest in this movie were the Mike bits. I think Mike is the funniest. Yeah. Like, I think he really sold this movie, at least to me. <laughs> um, when Mark is, like, asking Mike to make sure everyone has brown gloves, and then Mark just goes... Does everyone have brown gloves? Like they're both standing right next to each other. He's so sweet. He says it out loud, and then he just says the same thing again. He's like, "No, no, you gotta go like over and see." He's so sweet. He is. He's so so sweet. And you know, it's he's he's tragic. Like his 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 uh, his story about doing the PCP that he thought was acid. And almost dying in the hospital and waking up to do the other acid yeah. in the hospital. It's like, yeah, it's 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 so tragic, but it's so hilarious at the same time. And and you're you're so happy that he's he's uh, he's sober and serious about it for sure. And stays sober yeah. during the whole course of the film, even though uh, Mark is like definitely just yeah crashing right in front of his face and still trying to get. Uh, Mark is still trying to get Mike to come out and drink too. Well, yeah. I don't know that he's actually ever actively trying to. He's just putting him in situations where it's not cool. Like no, because the Super Bowl scene when 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 uh, when Mike gets there, you know, he's like, "What do you know that we don't know, Mike?" And Mike's like talking about how he just won fifty bucks. Wait, oh, won two hundred. Yeah. He won two hundred dollars. He he's gave like, a hundred to his. Dad. I got 60 in my room. And I got $20 on me right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, what can we buy with $20? He's like, and, and then Mark goes, oh, that'll get you three pitchers at, at the local, well, whatever the local bar is called. Right, right. And, and then and, and Mark, or uh, Mike kind of diffuses it. He's like, oh, I'd get some sodas, but I don't know about the pitchers. And he's like, well, yeah. I'll drink them. <laughs> I'll, think, I'll drink them. I think Mark needs a mic in his life. And that's kind of what I also really yeah. loved about that this movie and that's why I mentioned earlier like Mike really sold this movie to me maybe more than Mark did definitely like even though like I'm a filmmaker too yeah um I think I think Mike is just like a really good person for Mark to have in his life and he really shows up for Mark too and really yeah like he even in a lot of his like earliest films like you know yeah yeah when they were obviously just like sh bullshitting around with the camera like sure. figuring it out There's yeah i loved that home like those early clips that they showed mm -hmm. i also together. love that um mike pretty much scored this documentary oh, with, with, that, with his guitar yeah. yeah it's so good yeah and like there's a lot of lovely shots of him like blindfolded Unfolded, playing, the, playing guitar. the guitar and then they like use this same audio for like you know like i said like for like it's, scoring it's like this documentary. every time the inner like there's like momentum starts like things are happening that you hear that guitar come in you know mm -hmm. that really good i really did like the the that use of that song in this movie mm -hmm. um yeah mike is my favorite character mike, in yeah. case you didn't realize yeah i think we're all <laughs> team mike here 
Definitely. I have a soft spot for Uncle Bill just because like when he starts on his like crazy ass rambles that are like poetic and weird, they just don't make any sense. And they they kind of do and they go nowhere. But he's he's just so he's so unabashedly nihilistic. Yeah. At his like what, what whatever his lot in life, he's just decided like, why? Nothing means anything anymore. I love the shots of him trying to play his part in the film. <laughs> He's like, it's all right, it's okay, and he just forgets the next line. <laughs> so many Jesus times. loves you. <laughs> Jesus told me. Oh, Jesus told me. That's Jesus right. Told Jesus me. told it, me. Uh, he's 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 another really good part of this film. I think that like had a really pivotal part in this and in his whole experience. All right, well, let's go uh, take us to the end of the movie. Yeah, so uh, Mark's trying so hard to finish everything up. He's trying to, like, sync everything sound-wise. And he just has this great moment where they've gotten so close to the movie, and and then he realizes they've left out this, like, really, like, two frames of, of a scene. And he's so obsessed over getting those two frames back in, and he's like, why would you show somebody this yeah. without the two frames? Uh, he, he's just try, he's trying so hard to finish it. They literally finished the movie like probably the day of the premiere. Yeah. And then it's this triumph, seemingly. Everybody shows up. His uncle's there. And he finally at least gets to show his uncle what all of it's been for. And it's still like unclear if his uncle even cares or knows he did die like right after this so he could have been just like almost dead at this point just so out of it but he 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 left mark uh 50 grand to finish yeah yeah let's go so yeah they premiere the movie they they seemingly have a pretty good line out the door of people waiting to see it yeah and uh and then we get a little um decent reception Decent reception, and let's go. Uh, what what happens? So Bill dies on September thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, it's just the last time you see Bill. Uh, Mark's talking to him about just like, wh- hey, what's next? Like, you know, like they've done this, and now what's next? And then you find out uh, from text on screen that he died like very shortly after, and he like. He left Mark 50 grand to complete Northwestern because it's revealed at some point that Bill thinks that he has like 250 grand in the bank, yeah, but he's like 280, uh, yeah, 280,000 yeah, dollars yeah. in the bank. But he's like, ah, that's what they tell me. I don't know if it's like that's the real number or whatever. It's like he's in, he's in disbelief of the bank of what they like quoted him as his like. I thought Bill was supposed to be tight with his money. Well, I mean, being tight with your money doesn't mean you know exactly or believe exactly how much you have. I don't know about that. I don't know. Or maybe he's just being a little coy about it. Maybe. But it's like you don't you don't leave Mark 50 grand if you didn't like love and believe in him. Totally. To some to some degree. Maybe that is like a very good sign that um, Bill really did believe in Mark. Mm -hmm. Like my grandparents are certainly not senile and they have their will written out like i have reason to believe bill even decided he'd leave mark 50 grand before Before. he got 
before he got to this point, but yeah. I could be very wrong about that. I just, um, I feel like, you know, as you age, you start to think about, okay, like, what's next? Like, Yeah. What am I leaving behind? Mm-hmm. And, and then we finish on this, uh, some nice home footage. Yeah, this sort of montage of, like, all the old footage of, of films that Mark's been making over the years. All right. And you see them all young and bright and, you know. And him with the newspaper bag. Yeah. Um, should we re- give our reviews now? Well, our, I don't know. I mean, I, just to wrap up, I just, I, it gets so fascinating that, like, uh, I want to. Lo- I one thing I want to learn a little bit more about after seeing this film is uh, who made the film. Like, I, that's we learned so much about this film, this wannabe filmmaker. I think it was directed by Chris Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like. Smith. I want to know what what like what did Chris well, we Smith can talk a little bit. go on to do? Like, I what? know I know a little bit about what he went on to do. Um. So Chris Smith, it was like one of the first things I looked at when we talked about doing this movie. Um, and I was blown away that this dude made the fantastic Jim and Andy documentary. Oh, right. Yeah. It's about Jim Carrey embodying Andy Kaufman for the role in uh, man on the moon and how much it consumed Jim Carrey and yeah, how absolutely insane he was on set and shit like that. It's like, it's, it's wild. Wow, I've he, not seen it. he basically claims that Andy Kaufman is inside of him. Whoa. And that this is Andy. Like that he's like, no, this is Andy. And this is Andy talking to you. This isn't Jim. This is Andy. And I saw like, that. I think Jim Carrey's a little bit full of shit. But uh, oh, either way, the way he the the level he takes it on set to like ruin the whole crew's day and shit is like absurd. Whoa. Whether he's whether he knows what he's doing or not. But anyways, uh, and then he went on to also produce uh, two of the biggest documentaries in the past couple of years: The Fire festival documentary and uh tiger king mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah so uh pretty lasting legacy i know he was just a producer on fire and tiger king though well still i mean yeah uh, that's you know that's a career definitely but I, i'm more i'm fascinated by like you know what got him what what like what uh, cued him into Mark? You know, what got him interested? What made him think this would be like a subject for a documentary? Because it, it's so fascinating. It's so like, I don't know. I'm with you there. I would be curious to see yeah. what what brought him down that path. Maybe you could hear about it on a bonus episode one day. We'll see. We'll see um yeah that's that's a that's the next thing for me just on my own time i want to know a little bit more about the filmmaker i did look into a little uh what mark's been up to since american movie and you know it was was interesting because uh, nothing else really in terms of filmmaking okay like uh as a director but a lot of appearances in other films uh and i think at like at this point I think there you was know. even a South Park episode where he and Mike as cartoons were like Oh wow. Featured. <laughs> That's crazy. Sorry, yeah, I mean, sorry to interrupt. No, I mean they're such big personalities. I think uh, it makes much more sense to me in retrospect that they would have become more a personality than 
like a career filmmaker. I saw some credits extending into like 2020 for Mark. So, you know, it's yeah. it like, it makes sense. Some, I mean, that's like the easiest thing to career. like parlay out of this film taking off is, is being that guy in the movie, you know, or just like a kook, a kook, yeah. you know, he's very and, kooky. <laughs> Maybe he's meant to be an actor, not a director. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely been the kind of, uh, the thrust of his career has been, appearing in films. Michael, you want to walk us through some, some more facts about the movie before yeah, we give our I, reviews? Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, our scores. This movie came out in 1999, and it grossed uh, about $1.1 million, um, which I probably, probably not bad for a low-budget documentary at the time. Yeah. Um, what else? Runtime. One hour, 47 minutes long. It actually moved pretty, pretty well. I think I, really? I, I yeah, I, I definitely was like 30 minutes in. I paused it 30 minutes in. and was like, oh my God, we're only 30 minutes into this. I just watched it kind of all the way through. I, I don't yeah. know. I just, yeah. I didn't pause it at any point. It just sort of flowed appropriately for me i mean i looked at the runtime ahead of time and thought wow this is what okay how are you gonna fit like this should be in my mind like an hour and a half but yeah i think you know it fit it fit no definitely. Uh, everything in there i think worked and filled it out and i felt i didn't feel uh i felt good about the runtime oh yeah so if we're looking at uh rotten tomatoes right now uh, it's got 94% on the tomato meter, which is excellent. Yeah, pretty, pretty fresh. Pretty fresh. Even the audience score is at a 90. I think as a film, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, I think I would give this a solid 8 out of 10 VHS tapes. Uh terms of VHS tapes, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 VHS tapes. It kept me entertained. It made me laugh. It made me sad. It, it inspired me. Um, it made me want to learn more about the filmmaker. It made me want to learn more about the subjects. I, I, 9 out of 10 VHS tapes. I This is the second time I've seen this movie. I feel like after the first time I saw it, I probably would have given it 10 out of 10 VHS tapes. And now that I've really like been thinking about it since, there was actually a period of time I like forgot what the name of this movie was, and it was really hard to find um, just like from memory after like, you know, four years passing by, just like hard for me to find what the title of this film was, just like... Um, from some simple Google searches or whatever. And I, you know, we came across it recently and decided to watch it um, collectively. And um, now that I've, I've rewatched it, I've like thought about a lot of parts I really loved and a part, a lot of parts that, you know, took some processing. I like, I really, I think I'm also going to give it an eight out of 10 videotapes. All right. Nice. Right, pretty consistent. I think we all liked it. Mm. None of yeah, us definitely. hated it. 
I feel like it's a good first film for our podcast, just given, you know, that uh, it's it's just an interesting look at uh, somebody that's attempting to do what we're doing, essentially, in, in like, you know, um, making their own way as a filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so while we're talking about reviews, I think we have a couple select reviews we want to highlight i know one in particular that we may pull some other ones here yeah. all right I, i'm gonna look up a positive review. should i read a, a few positive ones because i have a i have some of those too oh sure, sure. what well, is one of each okay so here's one from two years ago someone named peter says really enjoyable documentary it starts out with mark saying i am a failure and this guy is kind of a loser, but he has his ambition and his determination to finish his film. He basically has to enlist his friends and family to help him all the time. And the documentary has such a strange cast of characters, too. And the dialogue is really funny at times. This is a great documentary for seeing the struggle of the small indie filmmaker. I highly recommend to check out this documentary. Also, his friend Mike really steals the show sometimes. <laughs> I agree, Peter. And this negative review, I will say out of this entire list, I only saw one negative review from someone named Zane two years ago. He said, very fake and useless movie. Wow. <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> that's the extent of it. I wish he would have that's, explained. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't even understand that as a, as a criticism. Like what part of it could be fake? I, also, I think it was the realest shit I've seen in a while, you know? useless is also just seems so strange because I think this movie is extremely useful in terms of just like learning about the struggle of trying to make a movie regardless of who's doing it you know it's this it is hard it is very hard to make a movie and it costs money you know I know it's different these days there's some lessons in there for filmmaking and life in life too yeah and that's what's yeah definitely yeah, um, I don't get fake it, like, because I don't know. I mean, if this movie were fake, that'd be really impressive. Oh, my that'd be God. wild. How do you write that? Yeah. Shit? <laughs> yeah. If they staged all this shit, it'd be insane. I can't imagine that even after seeing like Mark outside of this movie and like interviews, like talking to people like I just like don't see that. Is he pretty much the same? Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. He's authentic. That's awesome. <laughs> but, but yeah, we I think we all enjoyed this watching this movie. Um if you haven't seen it, go watch American movie. And if you want, uh hit us up on Instagram, AMPM video. At AMPM.video. And let us know what you think of it. Um but now it's time for a segment. We're going to give it a try. It's called, uh, what's up? What's up? What's up, Abby? Mm, not much. What has been inspiring you lately? I think I'm just really excited that there's more going on now than there was a few months ago. I, I'm glad that there's shows again and live music. I'm glad that you know, people are getting vaccinated and going out. And that means that we are seeing more people that want videos made. You know, um, I think that's really important for us. I think a lot of 
a lot of um like we really depended on uh other artists to feature their work as videographers and i think you know that was obviously on pause for a while and so i'm just i'm just happy to say i'm glad there's some momentum again yeah i feel that um one thing i'm i'm very very excited about and i think this might factor into the podcast down the line but i haven't been to a fucking movie theater in you know a year and a half i guess i still have not either i yeah we should go to the movie theater yeah i think it would be fun to to see what's what the coming attractions are and pick a film that uh we're all interested in seeing and um i would like to go to the bell court yeah speaking of the bell court i was looking at showtimes for um that zola movie i can't remember the full title but it's it's based on those like infamous tweets it's like a series of tweets by this person named zola what's the full do you have the full title abby is zola Z-O-L-A. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it's just called. Oh, Zola. it's called yeah. Zola, the home of all things wedding. No, that's that's a wedding company. <laughs> Zola, a Detroit waitress, is seduced into a weekend of stripping in Florida for some quick cash, but the trip becomes sleepless. Uh, a sleepless forty-eight hour odyssey involving a nefarious friend, her pimp, and her idiot boyfriend. I actually saw the trailer for this last night. Now that you're reading the this the little s- summary. Um, it looks wild. It looks so yeah. wild. I'm very intrigued and um yeah, it looks like some like best friend betrayal stuff. It looks like It's supposed to be really good. Everything I've heard from it um has been has been really good. Yeah, so maybe if you tune in to the episode 1, um we may have gone and watched Zola. Yeah, we may have seen Zola by next episode. We'll see. Uh, the goal for us here is to pick movies uh, based on a lot of factors, but hopefully picking one that maybe one of our little collective here hasn't seen before. So we'll see where that gets us. We're going to have some guests come on. We're going to ask you, the listener, for some suggestions of films to watch. Maybe we'll play some games. Yes, yes. Um, I since we're here talking about this, and you know, Abby kind of started this the topic of of things opening back up, and that is relating to us opening back up and doing more things. And one of those things is this podcast. If you've made it this far into the podcast, you obviously care somewhat about us, and this is one of our new things. We're making a podcast now. Yeah, I think it's time to now tell you about our sponsor. Uh, today's sponsor is AMPM Video. Uh, Nashville-based video collective here to service all of your video needs from live performance to music videos. You name it, we'll shoot it. AMPM video. From bands to brands. Ooh, I like that. That's good. We got you covered. <laughs> and AMPM video is me. Me. And me. Yes. And if you don't know who said me, then you'll have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind to the beginning of the video. (laughs) I mean, podcast. Wow, I'm so used to working with video, y'all. I know. (laughs) Also, uh, isn't it kind of ironic that we're called AMPM Video and we're doing an audio-only podcast, at least for the beginning? That's maybe slightly ironic. (laughs) One day, though, we I would like to do video podcasts. Definitely, I think if we if there's enough momentum, it will make sense to transition. Um, 
even with you know how we talk about a movie if you're watching the video podcast you could see uh the clip of the movie we're talking about or uh what other fun stuff we decide to bring up on the screen yeah yeah mm-hmm. also this is for the future listeners or maybe by the time this airs uh please check out the show notes for our website our instagram hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts and please donate to our patreon we're gonna have exclusive episodes We'll have uh, exclusive video content. Exclusive merch. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Michael, what's up with you? <laughs> oh, well, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've been working a lot. There's a lot more video projects coming in, which is exciting. Nothing we can really talk about quite yet, but uh, I would just say that's, that's where my... That's where my bread's getting buttered right now is uh, mm-hmm. staying busy and trying to be productive. Uh, I'm excited. I have a few shows to come coming up that I that I'm going to attend um, and perform and perform. Check out the mouthful. Check out for the all your DIY venue needs. We're recording episode zero at the mouthful. And the Mouthful, if you don't know, is a uh, Nashville-based DIY venue where we have live music, comedy, theater, um, shenanigans. Yes. Um, check it out. Kind of the uh, home of AMP and video in a way. Well, we meet here sometimes. We, we always met here in the beginning. That's also true. Yeah. And also, I think this was where we all decided to be AMP and video. You're right about that. Yeah. And that's also where we are right now. It's also where we are right now. Full circle. And we've all put a lot of, uh, you know, creativity and thought in, into the mouthful and making the shows special. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's also, for me at least, it would, it, the mouthful is a little bit of like a training ground for video production for me. Yeah. You know, started in 2016 filming the fester here and it's the first live shows I really filmed. Um, and that's kind of what sparked all of this probably was that, that first time coming to the mouth hole and uh, filming it. Yeah. I guess I never thought about that, but it's really like how I met you. Yeah, I think. And, um, I met you in college and I was working on getting a degree in video and film mm-hmm. and art. Um, and that's where we met really and became friends and continued this pursuit of being creative and where I met daily mm-hmm. and where we all got together and said, Hey, let's like just, do this for real yeah for real yeah i mean we're three people who have all pursued art and and uh film in different incarnations for a really long time uh we all make our own art music film and uh yeah we decided to put all that together and i think you know um collectives are where it's at yeah all under all for the hopes of getting the gear we need to make the things we want to make. 
haven't done we've done way more uh stuff for other people and that's kind of also part of why we're doing the podcast and michael mentioned earlier the patreon is because we want to do more stuff for ourselves like the podcast like short films um like whatever whatever thing that we yeah. want to do that is not a commercial thing that people pay us to do yeah our passions our passions mm-hmm. our babies yeah and you know by by giving to the patreon by listening to the podcast uh subscribing to the podcast sharing it giving us a rating you're supporting us and the more support we get the more we can do you know starts with the podcast and a little patreon and then you know who knows what comes after that yeah keep a lookout we have videos coming up uh we'll have t-shirts at some point some other merchandise um we'll have uh booths at shows Lots of ways for you to get involved. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, follow us on Instagram. Yes. At ampm.video. If you're in the Nashville area, it'll probably just come up if you search AMPM video. But if you're outside of the Nashville area, throw that dot in there. AMPM.video. Is that good? Uh, no one asked what's up with me. Oh, what's Daily. up? Hey, what's up, Joe? What's up? <laughs> what is up? Um, well, I guess I will also say that I'm happy about having more projects to work on just to jump on that train. But also I want to talk a little bit about Mario golf. I've been playing that new Mario golf. That's what's been. I have not yet. I've not yet explored that. Please tell me about it because it does excite me. So it's the first Mario golf since the 3ds. This is the first entry on the switch and um, developed by long term mario golf developers camelot studios they've been making them since the uh i think the game boy oh wow mario golf the game boy color mario golf which is like people love that mario golf because it had like a full like rpg like story mode to it that uh was really cool and this one that's like why a lot of people were really excited for this new mario golf mario golf super rush is the title is that they were they're doing an adventure mode in this which looked really cool before it came out and was like oh they're doing that rpg again like you literally start the game you're a rookie golfer and you just moved into this like this house that's like where it's like a house of rookie golfers that are all trying to like come up through the ranks and birdo is your fucking mom like the house mom of the rookie golfers and uh toadette is one of the rookie golfers um boo is one uh, like just a, a boo ghost not king boo is one of the rookie golfers and then charge and chuck which if you don't know charge and chuck he's one of the enemies in mario games i think he's from the more mo- uh, modern ones uh but he's just like a football player basically and uh, when you start this game do you select a character or are you just mario so or they're not nintendo uh is not giving up on the uh Miis. From the Wii era, you know oh, the memes yeah, yeah. that so you create, like your avatar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're not giving up on that. There's, there. That's what you use as your as your player character. You create, you use your me, which is like they don't even put on like the the front of the Switch interface. It's like hidden in the settings. You have, you can get into like the me creation, but it is not like a featured thing the way it was in the Wii era. Um, where you boot up the Wii and you see your fucking Mii's running around, you know what I mean? They're, right. It's not that big of a deal anymore, but they're still there in the back end. They're they're not letting them die. And so you make you bring your Mii in and you level it up and you go through the adventure mode and it starts really cool, you know, this cool setup of the story. And then it just kind of like, by the end of it, you realize that it's basically the tutorial. 
I feel and like it's, it's only like four hours long. I feel like it's been a while since I've played a game that used the me avatars. Like, are are they still just as archaic as they looked like yes, before? Yes, they look exactly they've the same. Not, they've not evolved with time. They've modified them very minimally <laughs> from when they were first implemented. And... Uh, I it starts really promising and then is just is like I said it's basically a tutorial and it's super strange because they introduce all these things in the golf adventure mode that you don't use in regular golf or in any other mode like you get a club that can uh, skip golf balls across the water like like it's a like a skipping stone so you can like get across water hazards but you you can't use that club in regular play so like outside of this four hour mode that you're never going to go back to. They don't, there's no incentives to go back. There's no extra challenges. It's just like you finish it and you realize, Oh, this just set me up to like be good at the game. And then they don't, they don't deliver on any of like the story setup for it. But it's like, they bring in like Waluigi and shit. And there's like, they're trying to find this treasure in the, in this like one, they're like, they talk about all this lore. They set up all this lore and they just don't pay it off. Like all these people in the world talking about like, oh, did you hear about on hole 15 through 18, there's a hidden treasure and stuff, but you never go out and find the treasure or like they don't pay any of that off in any meaningful way. Which Have is really you disappointing. finished the game? Yeah, it's like four hours long. That's the whole game. The for the main mode, yeah, the story, the single player story mode. Well, yeah. I mean, the, those holes, the treasure, the this, this stuff they're talking about, like, are you going to find that in your like kind of no free play? No, 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 no. Free play is just golf. And then they have speed golf. The new modes are fun in the, in the main, like golf is fun. The multiplayer is fun. When you're playing with friends and stuff, but like, is this a thing where they're going to release like the new pack or something? Like, that's what, what I'm that? hoping is that they'll like expand the adventure mode at some point, because that was my favorite part of it. And I can't imagine that they wanted more. Yeah. To, like that's probably just a tease, you know, in, in, in a good way, like to to keep you. Yeah, but this is line. a $60 title <laughs> from Nintendo. Well, right, right. Uh, you, you expect a little bit more. And, right. and I hate to and I'm not trying to be a dick. I know games are hard to make, but like and they overall, are. I would still recommend this game. I thought the adventure mode was really fun for what they did do, but uh, I wanted it to be like 10 hours long, not four hours long. Right. Yeah. Or at least like, uh, let me use those clubs. Like, let me. I want to use the fucking cool. It looks like a Koopa shell. Like the. <laughs> it's like the the club. The end of it has like a Koopa shell yeah, design, yeah. and it skips across the the golf balls across the water. That's cool. But they never let you pick. You can't pick clubs in the main mode or any of the other modes, and like that's kind of disappointing too. It seems like to me that they're setting you up for something in the future, but hopefully, if, if not, this is disappointing. Yeah, hopefully. But yeah, thanks for joining me in Daily's Game Corner. <laughs> Maybe uh, this will be anytime. a bigger thing one day. Yeah. One Check thing- out our Twitch channel. Oh yeah, that's coming. We don't have it yet, but it'll be here. Um, One thing I'll add uh, is I've been learning Spanish through an app called uh, a free app called Duolingo. I've heard it, and uh, it's very thorough. It it trains you very well to listen, to speak, to read, to write uh, another language. It's it's fun. It's cute. It's competitive. Yeah. to gamify it. it yeah it does all the things that you'd want uh to keep you interested i've been doing it for weeks it's nice every day it's great That's awesome i would speak spanish but i just embarrass myself but yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> maybe next time but yeah 
you have to link up with Adam, try and talk to Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we did it. I think we did it. Thanks yeah. for, if you're still listening, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, if you made it to the end. tuning in. Yes. Thank you. We yeah. appreciate you. Yeah. I think that's very, very, uh, important is you, the listener. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tune in next time for Go Team Video. Uh, check out our Instagram, ampm.video. And uh, yeah, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, Daily here. Just want to jump back in and give a big thank you and a shout out to Mike Gubbins. He made our intro and outro music, and it's actually also the same track we used for our demo reel. And we can't thank him enough for this wonderful track. And uh, if you want to find out more about Mike Gubbins, go over to Instagram and follow him at Gubbs Music, G-U-B-B-S for Gubbs. And yeah, see y'all next time.